Coast New York Nick Podcast, Andre Gallimber. Hartenstein, we were worried. We were worried, Hartenstein, with some sort of Achilles injury that I'm not even going to try to describe. But I think it's akin to like Achilles tendonitis, you know. But this is an injury, and, and again, a shout-out DP again on Twitter. This is an injury that Hartenstein talked about having last year. Now, I actually, as soon as I saw the injury, I remembered that Hartenstein mentioned this last year. But DP tweeted it out. He came in to the season with an injury that he said contributed to him and his slow start with the Knicks. And he just had to, as he put it, he just had to deal with it. He had to deal with it. Play with the pain. This was last year to start the season. And although even he later attributed his slow start to just adjusting to being a Nick, the truth is both can be true. He could have been a little banged up and he was adjusting to his new role, etc. But this, according to him, last year slowed him down to start the season. So... And see, I was a little distracted because I was looking for the uh, the Twitter handle. It's at DJAceNBA. That's DP. And last, uh, I tried to give him credit for something else. I'm not even sure if that was him. I was giving him, I might have been giving him someone else's credit. But I got it right this time. He was the first person to tweet it out. But like I said, I remember as soon as I saw the injury, I was like, oh, no. That's the same joint he had last year. Now, that is a problem. Because it's not a sprained ankle. Oh, you give it a rest a few days, you'll be better. Nah, this is something that, according to him, had him playing poorly for months. Months. And if you watch the game, it didn't seem like, at least to me, I wasn't looking for it, but it didn't seem like to me that uh, he got hurt on the court and... You know, I had a problem. It, it seemed like to me, he just was like, nah, this just playing in the middle of the game. I, this, this, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. And when you're talking about the Achilles, you're talking about something. Remember that Kevin Durant injury? I think they called it a calf or something like that. Next thing you know, his Achilles popped. It was lights out. So you don't want... You don't want, obviously, you don't want that to happen to Hartenstein, but you also don't want him to start being skittish out there because he's afraid of it happening. Scary, scary injury for the Knicks, and I touched on this before. Knicks can't afford to lose Hartenstein. Y'all, some of y'all, y'all riding high because the Knicks are playing well, blah, 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 but y'all ain't going to play well without Hartenstein. You need Hartenstein. Don't give me no precious. Don't give me no Jericho Sims. Nah. No Mitchell Robinson. You need Hartenstein. You need him. If he's not here, you can forget it. You can forget it. Especially 
if it happens before the trade deadline, you don't got a chance to get somebody else. Somebody else. So it might be time to look at that. It was a rumored Utah deal out there that included Kelly Olynyk. It might be time to think about that. Might be time to think about it. Don't wait until it's too late. There aren't, aren't there so many serviceable big men out there. Bismack Biombo's out there, but that's a different. That's a different get than Kelly Olynyk. It's a different get. You want somebody who has a little bit of, of offensive acumen, and Kelly can shoot it too, which is a which is another plus. But you want somebody who has a little offensive acumen, who can throw some of those backdoor passes and, you know, execute those dribble handoffs and scan the floor for open people. You want it, you want that. You don't want another guy that all he can do is catch the ball and dunk it. So, yeah, and of course, because it's Knicks for clicks, you have a ton of people masquerading as Knicks fans trying to get engagement so they always have something negative to say. There are people blaming Tibbs and the minutes he's been playing Hartenstein as the reason why Hartenstein is hurt. Now, two things. Hartenstein came into the Knicks organization with this injury. Okay? Played an entire season with this injury. The Knicks, secondly, the Knicks are one of the least injured teams in the league. These Knicks players, they play. They play. They miss a game here or there. That's it. The guy who missed the most time on the Knicks, I believe, outside of Mitchell Robinson, who you know, Mitchell Robinson is always injured. Right? That's an every year thing. But the the only guy that's missed a ton of games, as far as I, off the top of my head, is R.J. Barrett. Everybody else missed a game here, missed a game there. Julius doesn't miss any games. So how how do you have that? And then Mitch Robinson's injury, that's an impact injury. That's not that's not wear and tear. Right? How do you have one of the least injured teams in the league coached by Tibbs and then a guy gets injured and it's his fault because he's running the players on the ground? What the hell is wrong with you? How does that make sense to you? They're injured because he's running them in the ground. Well, how come they haven't been injured all this time? And what would you have him do? You guys want him to play Jericho Sims? Jericho Sims is not that good. Jericho Sims is not Isaiah Hartenstein. Why would you, do you want the team to win? You want the team to win. Do you, you're watching these games and you think that you can steal minutes with Jericho Sims and you don't have to play Hartenstein? Do you see how much better the Knicks are playing when these starters are on the floor? Why would you want the Knicks to play these guys less? You know the Knicks are in the market for help on the bench. Stop acting like these guys. You acting like you got 10, 6 man of the year candidates on the bench. There's a reason why they're not playing. There's a reason. They're not that good. Just because you think they're good doesn't mean that they are. Just because there are some games you could have stolen a few minutes with a guy doesn't mean that you could have. Just because you think it. You see a guy like Precious, you guys were ready to toss Precious out. Toss him out. Put him in the next trade. Because of a few bad games with the Knicks. Which again, anytime I see people do that, I know that they know nothing about the play, 
right? When you wait a couple games and say, this is how I feel about this guy, you don't know anything about that player. And the same thing with Bruce Brown. And I've seen some guys on Twitter who I actually like. Bruce Brown plays a, a bad game at the Garden. Oh, you don't want this guy. Huh? What? Everything's based on this one game, huh? So Precious Achua, you guys are ready to get rid of him after a couple weeks. He has a good game against his former team. <laughs> his former team. He has a good game. And look at you guys. Oh, we got to give Precious Achua more minutes. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's like Lou Alcindor out there in your, in your mind. Listen, man, Precious Achua is not a great player. He's not a very good player. He's a serviceable player. And he's not Hartenstein. He has a skill set, but that skill set is inconsistently used by him. So you can't count on it or you haven't been able to thus far. Maybe he gets better. Maybe he gets more consistent. I hope he does. Good for him. He's from the Bronx. Good for him. Do it. Please do it. But the Knicks are not in the business of sitting on Twitter, watching a guy play a great fourth quarter and then say, oh, we don't need to get any help. Let's just play Precious and Chua 25 minutes a game. They're not, they not in that. That's y'all. Y'all do that. You want to hope to God Precious plays to his ceiling to help mitigate the loss of Hartenstein, but it ain't going to cut it, more than likely. And the same goes for Jericho Sims. Same goes for Jericho Sims. He hasn't shown great ability to do what the Knicks needed to do. Let's keep it real simple. So this, this is a scary loss for the Knicks. They should be able to get by against the Nets in this game. There should be a win. None of the BS. No BS. Win this game against the Nets and then see where Hartenstein is after that. He's listed as questionable. He's not listed as out. That's promising, but this is obviously something that has to be managed going forward, and they're going to have to at least probably reduce whatever inflammation is in that Achilles uh, before they can really put him back on the same grind that he was on before. All-Star break's coming up. That's helpful. But if the Knicks can, just like they're doing with Brunson and, and uh, mostly Brunson, where they're stealing minutes by playing Brunson more minutes. And Randall, too. Stealing minutes out there because you can't count on McBride every night. So they're throwing it back out there. They're going to have to do that with Hartenstein, too, until they get some help in here at the trade deadline. Simple as that. Now I want to talk about this at Toronto game again. The comeback for RJ and IQ that you fans trying to ruin. I watched the game. I watched a lot of highlights. I honestly couldn't get enough of it. It was really a special day at the Garden. You've seen a lot of players come back to the Garden. You've seen a lot of tributes, but they weren't quite like this. You know, I don't remember what happened with Mark Jackson back in the early 90s. Mark Jackson was NBA Rookie of the Year with the Knicks. He was a draft pick, homegrown guy from the city. 
from New York City. I'm not sure what or if there was much ceremony when he returned, but this to me, that would have been the only comparison that I could think of. Everyone else might have been a free agent signing at the end of their career. Those types of comebacks, they're very much different than what you saw at RJ and, and IQ. These are homegrown. And guys who are homegrown in New York, for those of you who aren't from here, guys who are homegrown in New York, they hold a special place in the hearts and minds of the fans, especially when they play well. They come back as two of them, same team, come back, and you know they want to play well against the Knicks, but you don't see a ton of ill will between the players, the fans, and their ex-teammates. Nothing but love. And you heard me say on the show that I thought that was something between Randall and RJ. Hey, man, listen. Brothers fight. I could be wrong, but brothers fight. Brothers don't get along sometimes. Sometimes you can have a brother who's a doofus, but you love him. I saw nothing in this game that made me think anything cross was going on between RJ and Julius or IQ, any of these guys, Tibbs and these guys, who knows what goes on behind closed doors. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Julius Randle could not have been more gracious, said more supportive things, heartwarming things about his ex-teammates than he did. And you got to give him credit. And the way they spoke about him as a big brother, as looking out for them and all of that kind of stuff, you you very rarely hear players talk about each other in that way. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it never happens, but you just don't you don't hear it that often, especially in the middle of the season. They're playing each other. Julius was great. He was a leader. How he spoke about them. He was a leader when they were here. He played great in the game. If there was any issues there. They're clearly not long-lasting. You heard the comments from uh, an apparent Nick official who said they got the softies out, which I thought was classless. I don't know who it was. I don't think it was anyone who was on that bench. I don't think it was anyone who's in that front office. And whoever that person is, and listen, God bless, but stop talking to the media. You're not helping the organization. You're not helping. You're not helping the reputation of the organization. It was a terrible thing to say. And it might have it might have motivated the Knicks to be a little bit more generous in their in their ceremonial uh comeback for the for the ceremony for the comeback of these two players. Just just to make them feel wanted and appreciated for what they did here. Because even if you believed it, that's not something you leak. Uh Steve Popper reported the story and he talked about how you know, the context was a little bit lost in that quote. Uh, I saw people, someone said, you know, did you think, ask Steve if he thought twice about not reporting it because it was too inflammatory? That's not how reporters work. That's, that's, it wasn't that inflammatory, let's be honest. It was a terrible thing to say, but it wasn't that nuts. But that's not how reporters work uh, when it comes to a quote like that. As he's doing his job, it's not his fault. It's not his uh, position to be a parent for the Knicks organization, be a grown-up and tell them that's not a good thing to say. But he did seem to take some responsibility for 
the context of the statement not being more widely known. Uh, frankly, I don't know if the context even changes it. That's, you know, that was just poor usage of words. And it made the organization look really, really bad. And I hope, I hope it doesn't, I hope it didn't make the, the Knicks job harder in this game, but it didn't seem like it did. But I hope that these players know, and it seems like they do, that the coaches in this organization appreciated what they did here and the hard work they put in, because these guys put in a lot of hard work. They did. You know, just because RJ dropped the ball here and there doesn't mean he didn't work hard. He did. And the fans need to appreciate them for for being who they were here and helping build this organization to, to being what, you know, having the opportunities they have now. And I think the organization did it was very classy in how they treated them coming back here. And I think a lot of players around the league see that and they have to think, you know, they have to appreciate it because not every organization does it like that. And you saw how the players felt. I mean, RJ kept it together a good bit, but IQ was falling apart a little bit. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if IQ didn't find a way to come back here. <laughs> I don't think IQ wants to be in Toronto. I could just be making up stuff. I don't think IQ, IQ, you know, it probably is coming to a crossroads in his career right now. It's different for RJ. RJ is from Toronto. RJ got something to prove. He wants to be the man. You know, he wants to lift up his countrymen. You know, you saw what he did in the FIBA tournament. This this might be RJ's path. IQ. IQ's from Maryland. <laughs> He's not from Toronto. All right. IQ's from Maryland. He, his career was born in New York. And it's culture shock. Going from Maryland. To Toronto. Not too, too much of a culture shock going from Maryland to New York. It's a little bit. It's a little bit, but, you know, Maryland is, you know, D.C. is right there. It's it, it can be metropolitan. You know, it has its city and nightlife. Toronto does, too, but it's not like New York. And the attention you get in Toronto is not like New York. And Toronto is trying to build something. And I'm sure he appreciates being a, corner, a cornerstone for that. But the Knicks, they have a chance here. This is the closest the Knicks have been in, in 25 years. And you can argue that the finals run in 1999 wasn't necessarily the Knicks being that close. That was just a good run. But the Knicks are close. They're close. Anybody who understands the league understands that they're close. They're not far away. I can't imagine IQ wants to see this team. Of course, he loves his teammates, but see this team go on a run where they're competing for a championship while he's over there collecting $25 million a year in Toronto. You know, <laughs> trying, hoping RJ Barrett keeps this passing eye that he's found in the last few weeks. Just so he could be a starter. I don't know if he wants to be a starter as much as he wants to start on Monday. And as good as IQ has been playing, he's not playing that well. I got to say, IQ is still at that $20, 25000000 million cap right now. I think it's still arguable that he's not a $25 million player. He's still in that between $20 to $25 million, even with 
what he's doing in Toronto as a starter. He's not playing like a superstar. Not that superstars get paid $25 million, but just to make the point, he's not necessarily blowing the roof off. And, you know, things are going to change real fast when they start making these trades. But, I, you know, usually when these trades are made, there's sometimes there's under-the-table agreements on, on these uh, deals and these extensions and so on and so forth. He's restricted. So Toronto might be doing the same thing the Knicks are doing and just, you know, waiting to see what somebody else is going to pay him and, and match it if they like it and don't match it if they don't, you know, but they might even move him by the trade deadline. Who knows? I'm making that up. But who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be shocked if IQ is like, we want to see how things pan out. <laughs> about this Toronto scenario. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. But the Knicks, they got a chance here. They got a chance. Stop worrying about these ex-players. And if you're a fan of the team, appreciate the chance that they got. You see some names floating around. You see a lot of these names. They start. They're starting to play a little bit better as this trade line, <laughs> the deadline is getting close. Trey Young's in concussion protocol right now. DeJounte already started playing a little bit better. He's trying to prove something. He wants to go somewhere. He's a clutch client. Rich Paul was talking a lot of trash about the Knicks and CAA, but they pretty much run the Lakers. And the Lakers want DeJounte, so I can see him going over there. I can see if the Lakers and Knicks are tied trying to get DeJounte, him going to the Lakers, and I'm okay with that because I'm not sure if DeJounte is the guy. I'm just not sure. But you see DeJounte out here balling hard. He's balling hard. Another big game from him tonight. He's raising that price. Ah. He's he's definitely he's definitely turning me into one of those fraudulent fans who wait and, and see a guy have a good game and then be like, yeah, I like that guy. He's definitely trying to turn me into one of those fans. And but keep in mind. Right now, Trey Young is hurt. He he had some of these good games while Trey Young was playing. Trey Young is in concussion protocol right now. He's playing as a, as a lead guard, which he wouldn't be doing here with the Knicks, and he would be doing uh, with the Lakers in theory, because you know how LeBron goes. But uh, you know, I think the Lakers have a, a beeline on Dejounte. You know, Woj reported that the Knicks made their deal. They made their big deal, but. Uh, you know, they, they're going to try to, you know, get a backup here and there, you know, some scoring off the bench, nibble around the edges type of deal. But I don't know. I mean, first of all, just to wrap up DeJounte, I think the Lakers have a beat on him. Clutch, he represented by Clutch and Clutch and the Lakers, whatever. I think the, I think the, I, there was a report that came out. The Hawks need a place to send D'Angelo Russell. I don't want that place to be New York. But that's the obvious thing. They need. They don't want the Angelo Russells. They need somebody to take the Angelo Russell, and the, and the Lakers are going to have to really pay somebody to take them. Frankly, I, according, you know, I think there are a couple teams that might want the Angelo Russell, maybe, but most teams don't. I don't care how well he's playing. Most playoff teams don't. I should say, teams that are outside the playoffs, they might, you know, roll the dice with him. 
but I, I think that's the only hurdle. That was the report. That was the only hurdle between the Lakers and the Hawks making that deal for DeJounte. As as well as DeJounte is playing, I don't know. Maybe Nick, Nick should revisit. <laughs> but I think I'm kind of like 60-40 on DeJounte. I think his defense, I talked about this before, I think his defense will improve here. I'm just not sure if that's the move. You see Clarkson floating around. I don't like the Clarkson move at all. I think the Clarkson move is a good move. It just cost you Fournier and maybe a protected 2024 pick. Uh, rumors are that Ainge doesn't want an un- uh, a protected pick. He wants an unprotected pick. No. No. I can I can get with it if it's protected. Maybe top 15 protected or something along those lines. Um, but that's not a big fan of the Clarkson move. The Brogdon move, I talked about it. I think it helps if he's healthy. Brogdon's starting to play a little bit better too. Brogdon's seeing his name floating around. He's starting to cook it up, kick it up a notch, he's trying to get moved. You can see it in some of these players. I think that's a good move for them. He's experienced. He's experienced in the Eastern Conference. He's been around the block. The Knicks might play Boston. It might help to have a Brogdon who just played there. Got a bone to pick over there, maybe. I heard Brogdon actually wanted to get traded. I did read that somewhere. So maybe there's some bones to pick the room, pick around there. I think that's a always a good move. That's always a and, and play for Milwaukee years ago before they won the championship. So you might have some bones to pick over there. I think Brogdon's a good move for them. Not a CAA client. And you know that agency stuff is a bigger deal than we'd like to admit. Pretty sure he's actually a clutch client. So you know how hard that's going to be. Getting him. But, you know. But I think that's a good move for them. On the lower scale, you see Bruce Brown openly politicking to be a New York Nick. I don't get how he fits. I think he's a good move if it just costs you Fournier. Uh, and, you know. Maybe Malachi Flynn or something like that. His his contract is not much of an albatross. If you you know just bring him in here just to have him around, sure. <laughs> I don't think he helps. He is very comparable to Josh Hart. I don't think having two of them on the floor at the same time helps. But his championship experience and the things he does on the floor is not a negative. He wasn't trying out for the Knicks last night. I tell you that. But he did have some very provocative quotes after the game last game where he talked about basically how he's a Tibbs guy and uh and he's a CAA client and Ian Begley has reported a few times that that Bruce Brown noise is getting louder and louder I just don't know if that helps I don't know if it helps to bring in a guy who's another another non-shooter just to add him to the rotation I wouldn't put Grimes in that deal not for Bruce Brown. I wouldn't pray him for Bruce Brown. I just I don't I don't understand the deal. Maybe there's a three team deal in the in the works. I don't know. I can't call it. I really I really can't. So with Hartenstein's injury and, and maybe having to fall losing for some time or at least fall back on him playing so many minutes. So you might see them back in the market. For a big man, I saw Drummond's name start to pop up a little bit again. Not a big fan, but he's cheap. 
You're seeing Alec Burks. I think Alec would be a good, cheap move for the team. Not earth-shattering by any stretch. But he would improve the team if you didn't have to trade anybody in the rotation for him. Or, or you didn't have to trade any big-time draft picks for him. I think he would improve the rotation. He's not, you know, he's not tremendous. But you're not asking a ton from him. You're bringing, bringing him in and for that second unit just to have another ball handler and somebody who can, you know, it, obviously it would supplant McBride a little bit. McBride, I told you they should give him more opportunity to initiate the offense. They haven't played off the ball a lot. He's not distinguishing himself when he gets those opportunities, but I don't think it's fair to give somebody one or two possessions and say, you know, sink or swim. But Alec Burks, he would make the Knicks a better Better team, but no question. Not a big time splash, but maybe one of those nibble around the edges type of moves. And he probably wouldn't have to trade Fournier. I think he fits into one of their trade exceptions. So I think they've got to move Fournier. So no matter how you slice it, Fournier is going. I think there are moves out there where Fournier can go for either a similar tr contract, just so you can still have somebody to move if you need to move somebody for a big-time player, but not have that guy be Fournier. Because Fournier's contract is pretty much up at the end of the season. There's talk. There's talks from Bobby Marks about how they might extend him just to keep that contract on the books. For those of you who don't understand, if you're trying to trade for a $40 million player, you're not, and you're not trading one of your big-time players, Randall, Brunson, to send back you have to match the contracts i know some of you if you're listening to this show you you might know this but it's clear because i'm in some fan groups that some of you don't know this right you in order to make a trade you have to match the contracts i'm sorry for the fans here that know this but i'm telling you there are fans that don't know this. Right? so the knicks don't have cap space so if they're trading for a 40 million dollar player they have to send out $40 million in contracts. I actually, actually, it's not exactly 40, 40. It's not exactly 100% even, but they have a little cushion. I'm not going to get into that right now, but essentially that's what they need to do, right? So if you have a player who's out of your rotation, who can eat up a bunch of that, let's say it's $40 million, $40 million contract, then you don't have to send your rotation guys. You don't have to send the value players just to fill in the contracts to get that guy. So let's say you didn't have Fournier and you traded Fournier away. I let's not go too deep into it, but you don't, you, all of, all of the players you have to move in that deal are players that you value. You value them. Maybe the other team doesn't value them. Maybe they don't carry the same value for the other team, but you still got to match the contracts. So you sending guys that you need in your rotation, you sending guys that you like away in the deal just to match the contracts. That's why Fournier's deal is valuable to the Knicks because you have a guy who's sitting outside the rotation who you don't play, who can eat up a big chunk of the money for the players that they want to bring in. And I've talked about this ad nauseum. This is what many of you don't understand about the Donovan Mitchell deal. 
the Knicks players going in that deal were undervalued in that deal. I, and I've had this conversation with, I've been lucky enough to have this conversation with NBA guys who have disagreed because they say when you have a big time player like Donovan Mitchell and you're negotiating, it's basically everything you have. Whatever you want, whatever the other team wants is you give it to them because you want that player, right? It's not really looked at in the way I'm describing it as, okay, this guy has a certain amount of value and this guy has a certain amount of value. That's when it comes to a player like Donovan, they say that's what the negotiations are like. It's like, give me everything you got type of deal. You know, as much as you can, as much as you can stomach getting rid of and then some. But I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see that Donovan Mitchell negotiation going quite that way. I think, I think the Knicks were in a situation where they were having to move young players like Grimes and quickly, and we'll throw Obi Toppin in there. Not so much in a give me all the talent you have to get Donovan Mitchell scenario, but because they needed to match the contracts to get Donovan Mitchell. They could not send players back in that deal that did not have value to them. And according to all reports and according to anybody who talked NBA at the time, Nobody really cared that much about Quickly, and nobody cared that much about Grimes, and nobody cared that much about Obi Toppin, and Danny Ainge really didn't want R.J. Barrett, who was coming off another inefficient season, right? So those players, and I said this at the time, the players are being undervalued by everyone else. The Knicks have higher views on these guys than the rest of the league does and people talking about these trades do because they're talking about them like there's chopped liver now you see two of the guys that may have gone in that deal just got you og ananobi and the knicks still have enough to go get another donovan mitchell level talent so all of the donovan mitchell talk is really comically misinformed because why would the Knicks why would you be criticizing the Knicks for making for not making a deal where some of the parts of that deal have already gotten them a guy like OG Ananobi? A highly sought out, he's not the same type of talent as Donovan Mitchell, but a highly sought after piece for a championship contending team. A, a player who has single-handedly turned the Knicks defense around. And made them one of the top defenses in the league in the last 10 games. A plus minus through the roof. We've been talking about it ad nauseum. And they still have enough to go get Donovan Mitchell. Not to say it's going to happen, but they have enough to get a Donovan. They have enough to get a DeJounte. Whether they get him or not is up to the other teams and the competition, etc. But they have assets to do it because they did not give all of them away for, I'm not going to say for nothing, but undervalued in that deal. So one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why you need a player like Fournier's contract or move Fournier and get another player with a similar contract is so you don't have to trade players that you value just to match the contract or you don't have to trade as many just to match the contract as opposed to trading the player because the other team wants them. 
Yeah. If another, if another team wants Grimes and they want quickly, and that's part of the deal. Okay, cool. But it's different when they want. Let's say I'm just making up a scenario. They want it quickly and they want it Grimes, but they gotta take they gotta take uh, OG and Anobi back because how else are you gonna match these contracts, right? How else are you gonna match these contracts? You can't make this deal, so you gotta give me OG. I'm you know, again, I'm making this up. You gotta give me something you don't want to trade. Because you got to match the contracts. That's why some deals don't get done. That's why the Fournier deal is a value. That's why they didn't just give him away. That's why he's sitting around rotting on the bench. It's a terrible situation for him. But that is why. In order to pull the trigger on that deal without giving up pieces that the other team doesn't value, and they do, like a Josh Hart or a DiVincenzo, as much as good as these guys are for the Knicks around the league, they like only only a playoff team really cares to have a Devo or a Josh Hart. Only a playoff team. And they make too much money. Well, Josh Hart might make too much money for the average playoff team to take him on as a role player. So the Knicks, there's no, there's no, uh, there's not a ton of value in trading Josh Hart to a team that's trying to liquidate one of their best players and is probably rebuilding now and they got to sit on Josh Hart's contract for another two, three years, that would actually cost the Knicks to have to trade to put Josh Hart in that deal. DiVincenzo has uh, a little bit more affordable contracts, a little bit less of an arbitrage. But you see, you see the value there. The value in having Fournier's deal to put in these, in these trades. It has an advantage at this point. Wasn't an advantage two years ago, but at this point, it's an advantage. You trade him and his contract expires off your books. You don't have another contract from a, from a guy that you don't want when you trade away your big time player. So Fournier going in that deal helps. Helps teams. It's a benefit to teams. If you're trading Malcolm Brogdon and you're rebuilding, you don't want a guy who's making $10 million for the next two years or $15 million for the next two years or two guys like that and getting getting rid of Brogdon just because you're getting draft picks. Now you have all these, all these contracts in your books you got to pay. It's better to have a contract that's going to come and then be off your books by the summer. And you can move on with your life. It's an advantage for the Knicks. Either turn Fournier into another deal, another player, or they're going to have to extend them, or they're gonna, or it's bad business. So interesting times. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. hope you're not a troll. I'm excited. I trust, you know, to, you know, to a reasonable degree. I trust the front office is going to make a good decision here. I'm just, I'm just anxiously anticipating what that decision is going to be. So make sure you follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter at Ethos Knicks. Until next time.